Backseat of Ferrets is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. One of the people's favorite guests, the only, actually one of two three-time Super Bowl champions we have in this podcast, Pass Interference, brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Ted Johnson is back, and I love talking to Ted for two reasons, one of which I feel like I learned something new about you every time we talk today. That is something we just discussed off air that you have a Saint Verdoodle dog, which might be making a, a surprise appearance here in the background. Can you tell yeah. the folks that you just told me about your Saint Verdoodle? So yeah, people laugh at me because I have two small dogs. I have a Cavapoo, King Cavalier Spaniel, uh, uh, and uh, Poodle Mix, and then a Saint Bernard, Saint <laughs> Bernard uh, dog with uh, a poodle. Also, um, both small dogs. Uh, you know, Beefy, my my Saint Verdoodle is about 33 pounds and lucy my cavapoo is about uh, 19 pounds so little dogs and uh, i'm i'm allergic to everything pretty much um obviously and so uh most i can't have most dogs so i gotta have poodle mixes because they're hypoallergenic and so i have little little bitty poodle dogs that people seem to enjoy and make fun of uh because of how big i am but yeah uh, they're they're the best and so if you hear some barking that's it's lucy and beefy probably getting after it <laughs> I love this. Uh, the second reason is is you help me break down and scheme defensively when the Patriots are playing a high-powered offense like Miami, which, of course, they're going to see on Sunday. And we're going to go through the same breakdown we normally do, spit it out when the Patriots have the ball, Dolphins have the ball, 3-2-1 breakdown. But just, just staying with Beefy for a second. First of all, I've never heard that dog name. I love that dog name. But I also have a difficult time reconciling the fact that a St. Bernard could only be 33 pounds. Like, Beefy should be... Yeah. beefy no he's so it's a mini uh a mini a mini poodle uh mini saint bernard so it's okay. uh it, it was funny i mean i i i before i you know you know it was i say before i bought beefy it was kind of like i didn't even think to 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 kind of understand maybe how potentially big he could get um but thank thank God that my girlfriend she she knew that it was a mini and so we were uh, we were getting a smaller dog but yeah people were sending me pictures when I announced it on I think it was on on Beetle and Zone Beetle uh, show that I had a Saint Berdoodle people were sending me pictures of what potentially the size <laughs> of my dog could be and I was freaking out to into which I called my girlfriend quickly and she says no don't worry it's a mini it's a mini poodle so don't don't worry about that it's not he's not going to get that big but um, yeah Beefy is. Uh, the name come he gets the name because of all the women in my life um i my nickname is big beefy and so um <laughs> we just thought it might be fun to name our dog little beef little beef little beefy beef and so that was how um that's how beef got his name was because uh it, it's uh it's it's an offshoot of of my nickname uh with all the women in my life like to call me uh big beefy that sounds like a humble brag uh, Ted, but we're not going to go any further down that road. We're going to pivot. We're going to take the right of this fork and choose football. Uh, but good to know. And look, I, I'm glad uh, you were not surprised by the size of your dog because that would be something you would have to live with for years. St. Bernard seemed lovely, by the way, uh, yeah, just for the big dogs. folks out there. People get sensitive about the dogs. I grew up with Goldens. My parents have pivoted to being pug people now. My sister has converted them. I will never get there, but I've I've come around a little bit on the small dogs. Um, so, so it sounds like you landed somewhere in the middle. It's a good spot. Pretty much, yep. In the middle um, is where I find myself now looking at this game because I got to tell you, 
very impressed, very happy with that Patriots result. Just as I said in the last episode, the, the whole energy around the team, the locker room, the media, just no one wants to watch the same thing happen every Sunday as it felt like we had been doing with this Patriots team. But then I looked at Miami and go, okay, you start as like 11 and a half point underdogs. We know what's going to happen in Miami. The Patriots stink in Miami. This is a nice reprieve. That Lions head has come down to nine points. And I don't know how much you care about gambling. I don't know how much you know about gambling. I don't even really care about the money aspect of it. But that tells me that smart people, and I'll throw myself in a separate group, but agree with them, that this game is going to be closer maybe than people think. That's a huge change from 11 and a half down to nine. Where are you? Yeah, look, I, I think that's probably I think that's probably appropriate. Just considering how, how the Patriots played uh, last week. I mean, I, clearly it was their... Their best game of the season, you know, from top to bottom, both offense, defense, all that. So um, that was it, clearly the offense. I think it was his best. It was it was his best showing. And so, you know, you think that okay, they'll be able to capitalize on that. And then you see, you know, the uh, the way in which the Dolphins lost last week to the Eagles, they got bludgeoned pretty good. And then there's a lot of injury concerns. I think for Miami this week to key players, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, their top two targets uh, might have some issues. Uh, right, the left tackle, left guard, uh, the star. Those guys might not be starting. This normal starters, and so those are huge, huge, impactful players that potentially might not play in this game. Uh, you know, against a team that just put its best performance out there, and it seems to feel seems like the energy is changing, at least for this one week uh, going into this game. And so I can see how the odds makers would would probably bring that. Uh, you know, that points break down from where it was to now. And I did TV last night. And I've been diving into some numbers this morning, did so yesterday. I can see a path, man. It's crazy, but I, I don't want to speak about that just yet. Let's, let's start as we always do spit it out. You get 30 seconds strictly about the Patriots, not Miami, not the injuries, not just yet. Spit it out. What is this game about for the Patriots do? This game is about validating what they did last week. So that, it's really what this is. So you can, you go out and ha you can have a good game like they did. Uh, last week against the Buffalo Bills, but you know you got to really validate what you did last week by going out there and having another solid performance. I don't think the offense. I mean, they they played mistake free. I mean, they I say mistake free. They they had a fumble, but the quarterback uh, play, played mistake free football. Can he duplicate that? Can he go out there and not throw any interceptions? Can he be as efficient as he was? I mean, I don't think he can be eighty three percent efficient like he like he was in last game. But you know, can he can he be? You know, 70, 75 percent efficient. That's that's what I'm curious about. Can can the running game show some signs, you know, uh, like it did last week uh, going in, going into this week? Um, it, it's just that's that's what I'm that's what I'm most curious about. Can you validate last week's performance and back it up with another good performance? That's what this week is all about to me. And and, the, and it's also about getting back in the hunt. I mean, I, I've been talking about being on the one and five team back in 1995. When I was on that team in 1995, Bill Parcells, the head coach, he kept us engaged, Andrew, by keeping that kind of carrot out there in front of us that the playoffs were never going to be out of reach, at least until weeks, you know, 14, 15, 16, then when it looked like maybe we were gone. But from, from week seven until 12 of that 1995 season, when we started off one and five, we thought maybe we can fight and get our way back in it. And I think maybe to some degree, that's probably what Bill Belichick is selling to his guys. That, hey, we're not totally out of this. There's the AFC isn't as good as we thought. I mean, it's kind of shocking. There's 
there's there's more parity in the AFC than I really uh, thought there would be at this point. So you sell to the guys. Hey, you beat Miami. Oh my God! Now you, look what you are in the division. I mean, are you kidding me? Um, you know they'll have a winning. You know they'll have the best record in the division if they go out and beat Miami. And so you kind of build on that that carrot, if you will. And and that's what Bill Parcells did. We we went five and five. Uh, five played five hundred ball the rest of the way after we started one and five. Ultimately, he didn't get to the playoffs, but. That was what he sold us on, and that's what I think Belichick's going to do is, hey, we're not – you go out down there and you beat Miami, oh, baby, to go to three and five, and what what would they have, uh, a three and one record in the division? Or four yep. and one, three and one uh, record in the division. And so um, and that's what you hang your hat on, and that's how you keep guys engaged, Andrew. And so it's a big game not only to validate what they did last week to build on momentum going forward, but also to, believe it or not, Stay in the playoff hunt, bud. I'm with you there. I think it's even more short-sighted than that, though. I think you go, this is a keep the band together kind of game. Or is this our last show? Like, is the bass player going to get traded to Kansas City or somewhere else? Like, if it's Kendrick Bourne. Because you go to two and six. Like, there's no argument. You know, you're, you're going to be sellers at the deadline. It's just a matter of how much. Belichick doesn't want to do it. At three and five, you could talk yourself into it. We had two close losses to start the season against playoff teams. We're really probably closer to four and four than we are in three and five. But that all starts with beating a team that is still favored to beat you by nine points in a place where I don't care if the quarterback was Tom Brady or Cam Newton or Mac Jones or probably Drew Bledsoe. I don't know what Drew's record was. They stink in Miami. Two and eight in their last 10 games. Tom was eight and 10 for his career in that stadium. So let's get into Miami right now. Uh, the Dolphins are five and two. Their last four games were a 31 to 17 loss to Philly on Sunday night football. One of their touchdowns was a defensive touchdown. So only 10 points for the best offense in the league week before that they pound the Panthers 42 to 21 at home before that 31, 16 win at the giants. And then their first loss of the season, 48 to 20 against Buffalo, which always inspires this talk. I don't know what you think about, the idea of a blueprint, you know, that gets out there in these big offenses and everyone says, you know, can uh, everyone do to Miami what the Bills did to Miami? And then they win the next two and you're like, yeah, it's not really true. But in studying what Philly did on Sunday, I think there might be something to that. Now, you need a great defensive line like both of these teams do and the Patriots aren't at that level. But structurally, how much zone you play, keeping things in front, cutting off crossers, capping these vertical routes, like we'll get to the... You know, let's just start there. Let's let's do the Patriots defense first. When the Dolphins have the ball, what do you make of that idea of a blueprint from what you've seen from Miami? Yeah, so I mean, if you're gonna play, if you're gonna play Miami too deep, that's fine. Yeah, look, and you always play cover two. Cover two. The idea around cover two is to quote unquote take receivers out of the game. So that's the that's what I've always was always taught that you play cover two to quote take the wide receivers out of the game. And you look at the weapons that Miami has. Clearly, that's your Number one concern is to take the wide receivers out of the game. But if you're going to do that, you better do what? You better stop the run with seven guys in the box. And like I used to always say when we play the Indianapolis Colts, <laughs> if you stop Edron James, you will stop Peyton Manning. And people thought that doesn't make any sense. Like, no, 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 just bear with me. Listen, if you can stop seven guys, if you can stop, if you can stop Edron James with seven guys, that allows you to play too deep and take away the wide receivers. If you can't stop Edron James was seven guys, and you've got to bring an eighth guy down in the box. Boom, that's when Peyton would go to work with, on you. And it's the same thing uh, that John Elway used to do with Terrell Davis and his guys. So 
you got to be able to stop the run with seven guys. And the Patriots in that first game uh, did not do a very good job of stopping the run. I mean, uh, Mostert had a, a hell of a game. Um, they, I mean, they ran all up and down uh, the Patriots' uh, def defense, and particularly on the edge. The Patriots' defense have to do a much better job on the edge defending the run than they were in that first game, and that was a huge, huge problem. Um, and they also, I, I tell you what, if it's really – Miami got what they wanted in that first game uh, pretty much because the Patriots played a lot of three safeties deep, and they were basically saying, you're not going to get – you're not going to get the, uh, a deep ball on us. You're not going to get the big play on us. And Miami showed poise and patience that maybe you're not used to seeing from Miami. They were totally fine with taking the little, uh, you know, short routes, short to intermediate routes that the Patriots were almost conceding to them. And I tell you what, I don't know if you can do that, that you can't do that same strategy this time. You've got to be, I think, a little bit more aggressive on those wide receivers. Um, if, if Tyreek Hill doesn't play in this game, uh, Andrew, um, you don't need to be sitting back waiting for the deep ball. Get up there, press those guys, because when Tua doesn't have that first option to go to, then he becomes, um, you know, uh, less of a factor. And so you've got to take away his first option and don't sit back waiting for the big play. Get up there, be more aggressive, jam, press cover those guys, take away that first, that first uh, read. And then when Tua has to hold the ball longer, the longer two holds the ball, the better it is for the defense. So I would just say, look, if you're going to play, if you're going to play cover two, fine, no problem. Have, have those corners up there a little bit more pressed, take away that first read and stop the run with seven guys. If you can't do that, that's uh, that's going to, it's going to make for a longer day for, for the, uh, the Patriots defense. And snap into NFL action this season with the America's number one sports book right now. New customers. Get $200. That's 200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, you hear me make these ad reads and hopefully don't fast forward. Get your money and get into the action right now. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over unders. I hit the under for Patriots Dolphins. I just had the wrong team winning uh, and lots more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. $200 in bonus bets with just your first $5 bet. Must be 21-year-older and present Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit is required. Bonus is issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires seven days after receipt. Restrictions to apply. Please see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Game says ma.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, Cosine, that's it. We'll move on to the other side of the ball. That was, <laughs> that was very well-rounded. Um, right. there, there's a lot there, actually, I want to I dive into. And I, I think, you know, when you talk about the numbers, you know, stopping the run with seven guys, I think in the modern game, it's probably more six, right? Like they're playing 11 personnel in a way that was not the base offense you would see in your age where it's a lot of two back or two tight end like things are spread out more now which is fine but the idea that you want to have a plus one or at least match in coverage like we want if you have a six-man box you've got at least five in coverage to match theoretically five receivers even better than that if you can win with a five-man box you have six players in coverage against four or five receivers that means you have a plus one or plus two advantage so i'm with you there like you need to do this and when you think about miami 
Tyreek Hill comes to mind. Jalen Waddle comes to mind. Their rankings are as follows on offense. First by DVOA. Third in passing. First in rushing. And that rushing came down against Philly where they only had 45 yards because, as you mentioned, down Toron Arp center left tackle. Old friend Isaiah Wynn, playing guard, playing well, also going to be out. And Connor Williams is banged up and out against Philly. At least Wynn and Armstead will be out here. So I think that numbers game of how many players can the Patriots survive with in the box, whether it is six or maybe five, is going to be really, uh, really key. But you mentioned Tyree Kill. We're recording this midday Thursday. Uh, we don't know if he's going to play. But he didn't practice Wednesday. And the way Tua spoke on Wednesday was like, yeah, we'll, we'll get him back at some point. <laughs> Just doesn't sound good to me. I don't know how that sounded to you. If he's not the focal point of this game plan, which if he's healthy, number one with a bullet, that's a guy you got to stop. What's number two that then gets bumped up the list for the Patriots? I mean, you know, the obvious answer is probably Jalen Waddell, you know, who's got 30 catches, averaging 12 yards per, a couple of touchdowns. I mean, he's got 23 less receptions than than Tyreek Hill um, and, and five less touchdowns than Tyreek Hill. So he's clearly there's a big drop off, but that's, that's kind of the next obvious, you know, guy, a lot of people would say, you know, he would be a, he would be a number one on, on a lot of other teams, Jalen Waddle. So that was probably the guy. Um, but I, I would say beyond that. And if, even if Jalen Waddle's hurt, Oh my gosh. I mean, it just gets better and better news for, for the Patriots, but you know, it, it's weird to say that a running back and I, I think Raheem Mostert is, is maybe questionable to play, but Raheem yep. Mostert, I, I would say he just kind of opens up, a lot of things for the Miami offense, those swing routes that they, they get to him um, just his perimeter runs. If you can get the running game going with Raheem Mostert, it, then it, it just opens up so many other play action, little slant routes that, that uh, the tool makes, makes a living on And So if you can, if you can kind of keep the running back contain Raheem Mostert on those perimeter runs where he it really, softens up a defense when they get going with those runs then 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 you got something and so it sounds crazy to okay stop a running back that's that's not that big of a deal but when Miami is now shown the the ability to be patient against the Patriots defense um show that they can you know what they can go on long drives which they did in that first game and have no problem with that they don't have to strike fast like like we all kind of think that the, they they were kind of built for you know before, they they've shown they know that you know the best way to beat a Patriots defense is to be methodical and show patience, and that all starts with an advanced running game, and they do have an advanced running game, uh, and it's it's and it's very hard to kind of contain, and so if you can keep it contained, then you're going to do a lot have your a lot better chances to stop the runs. Uh, excuse me, the pass. So that to me. You, if you can, the next guy besides Tyree Kill is stop Miami's running game, and that starts with Raheem Mostert for primarily on those perimeter runs. I like that. Um, staying with Waddle for a second, it's really interesting talking to guys in the locker room nowadays, and especially when he first started to emerge, right? Like, we all knew what Tyree Kill was once he got to Miami, and then you look at Waddle, and he's just as fast and just as quick. His usage, though, is so different from Hill, and the way he was explained to me is like, all of their shot plays are for Tyreek or their deep overs are for Tyreek. But for an offense that really emphasizes yards after catch, the go-to guy on those design plays on shallow crosses, maybe deeper crosses, return routes is Waddle. So it's really interesting when you think about the game plan you alluded to. The Patriots open against Miami with this bizarro formation that was completely dictated by Tyreek Hill because the week before he killed the Chargers with deep overs 
okay, and shots down the sideline. So they put those three safeties in like a fence, you know, between the numbers, all at the same level, 15 to 18 yards deep. And then the corners aligned where Miami also likes to eat, and you see this more with Waddle, little small hook routes, okay, or slants. And talking to guys this week, that's where they love to live now is when you're playing too deep, we'll hit those areas between the numbers and the hashes. So it's all kind of like the short seams. And it's really interesting where if Hill's out, you don't need those three safeties back. You can then instead park maybe one deep safety and kind of cloud the middle to cut off those crossers and maybe play a little bit more man. And Waddle can still burn you. He can still go deep. But it's just the way they prefer to use him because if Hill's out, you're probably playing Chase Claypool, who's a very vertical receiver. Uh, Cedric Wilson will play a little bit more. But it's it's it will fundamentally change kind of the geometry of how the Patriots want to play defense in relation to the space because how Miami's going to try to dictate terms to you either through Waddle, who we expect to be healthy, and Hill, who might not be. I mean, it, it, it it's amazing. I just think if Tyreek Hill doesn't play, how different this offense will be. It'll be more predictable. Um, I think you can you can you can you don't have to put as much resources in the deep part of the field. You can you can really those short seams that you're talking about. The Dolphins killed the Patriots on those little hook, hook routes between the numbers and the hash marks in the in the first game because they were so worried about the deep ball. They were almost conceding those little short um, hook routes and and. Okay, you know it's it, you know you're you're waiting for Tua to make a mistake. Well, he didn't in that first game. Um, he's got a penchant to do that, um, but I, I just think that in this game, if Tyreek Hill doesn't play, holy smokes, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna flood the zones. Um, you are gonna you know maybe I don't think you're gonna you know the Patriots really love the blitz, and the blitz is getting home a little bit better recently. But for the majority of the season, they have they blitz an awful lot without without any real success like it just and against the better teams against dallas against the eagles against uh the miami dolphins blitz 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 and don't get home teams are snuffing them out and so i don't know if they have to do that against two i think you can just you know uh, flood the zones play with single high safety like you said take away the middle of the field and i think you, you'll you'll probably be uh you'll you'll probably be all right don't don't blitz as much because Tua had your blitzes figured out the whole time. They had adjustments for every blitz that you had. And I think uh, I, I don't think that would be smart to do in this game. Well, you mentioned Raheem Mostert and let's let's wrap uh, on him for a second, because, you know, they did hammer the edges. More than 45 percent of Miami's runs in that first meeting were behind or outside of either tackle. OK, and it sounds like an easy 50 50 proposition, right? Like it's up the middle. Or it's over the edges. But in reality, you could go behind the right guard, the left guard, center, combination of both. I'm telling you, they made a concerted effort to attack the flats when they say, oh, you're going to put, you know, 30% of your defense just way off of the, the screen and the broadcast? Fine. We'll attack the short areas. So it's the short throws in the running game. The Patriots' run defense is ninth in DVOA. They're 23rd against a pass, which that discrepancy is a little bit bigger than I think it would be. But screw DVOA for a second. They're top 10 in basically every metric. And this is a defense that is getting the best of Christian Barmore. Devon Gacho just played his best game. Yeah. And we also Barmore's we playing his best right now, Andrew. Yes. Barmore's yeah. playing the best he's played since he's been here, don't you think? I'm sorry, not to interrupt your No, defense. totally. Go ahead. But but I just think I think Barmore's playing the best football he's 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 played since he's been here. And it's about time. 
But sorry to interrupt, but that's he's a huge reason why running between the tackles has been very difficult. Yeah, you you interrupt whenever you want. I'm going to interrupt you. So this goes. This is a two way street here. But the the dismount is it's a banged up offensive line for Miami. It's a run defense that's been steady and I think underrated. Uh, at least if you listen to these kind of numbers. And so when the Patriots played a five one front, you know, I talk about you're used to the seven man boxes. You see a little bit more six man boxes now. They put everyone out across the line, five defensive linemen, and Bentley was the lone linebacker. You do this against a lot of outside zone teams. Okay, plug every gap. You can't really double team and open up a cutback lane. Mixed results. On Sunday, considering everything we just talked about, do you trust this defense to play more six-man boxes, or is that might that not be enough? I'm worried that's not going to be enough. Okay. Um, I'll just say this. The game's in Miami. Uh, <laughs> I can look at my what my weather app. Uh, let's see. What's the weather going to be down there? And I'm just telling you from experience, I don't. I don't think we need this. I mean, I'll buy you time now to actually look it up. But here's my guess. Here's my very educated guess. It's going right, to be the mid '80s, high humidity, and probably a good chance of rain at some point. Yep, that's probably. Uh, let's let's see. Let's see what the Sunday forecast is. It's yeah. just South Florida. It's fifty percent chance of rain, mid '80s. Uh, I don't know what the. Uh, but oh, it, it it'll it'll the humidity will be at sixty percent. I don't know if that how that's actually know. sounds low. But that yeah, sounds kind of low. Good, but the so point continues. is, the point is, the Dolphins you should always have a running game. Like you play in South Florida, have a good running game, and it really can take uh, it was wear a defense down with, with with the running game. And you and you know and you know what you got you know what you do and you do that by having perimeter runs. Get these defensive guys running sideline to sideline. Get these linebackers chasing sideline to sideline where they're at us out with these perimeter runs. And then also what you got to do is, is make the Patriots secondary come up and make tackles, yeah. right? So it's a lot of these dump offs to the flat. And then there's like 10 yards between the corner and the running back and the corner's got to come up and make a solid tackle. The Patriots defense as a whole has not been a very good tackling team, particularly on the perimeter with those, uh, with the edge guys. And with the, the corners and the safeties. And so that's that's how you're going to exploit this Patriots defense is by forcing the guys on the edges, the cornerbacks, the DBs, the safeties to come up and make tackles. And it it gets hard in that heat, in, in these long sustained drives that Miami seems to be okay with. That is the that's the that's the pay, that's the Miami's best chance is to get them worn down by having them run sideline to sideline and making the secondary, which isn't very good at tackling, I'll be honest, come up and make tackles on these uh, running backs. That's that's the formula. That's what Miami, I think, is going to come out and try and do. They're not going to take deep shots down the field, particularly if Tyrese not, is not uh, playing this game. It's going to be a lot of get it out to the fat, flats quick, a lot of bubble screens, a lot of kind of uh, – What's the, you know, those motions where they kind like of jet sweeps, they, you know, pop passes, things like pop that passes, but you must've hated doing that, right? Like you're, this is speaking directly from experience. I, Ted Johnson hated running sideline to sideline in the early two thousands, late nineties. Cause it's 90 degrees out. I'm in a dark in uniform. This sucks. It's, it's the one place. It's the one place where I would get two IVs uh, for a game was in Miami. And so the heat, the humidity is a factor. And and it's it's just it's always more difficult for a team from the north going down to the south to play in those conditions because you can't simulate it uh, up there in Foxborough. Um, 
We're going to have one more question, then we'll go to the other side of the ball. But on that point, it's funny that I don't even think the Dolphins need to get to the secondary to force missed tackles because Juwan Bentley missed five as a middle linebacker. And if the Patriots want to run the risk of that 5-1 front, I might. I, I think they might go, okay, you know, he's normally a short tackler, but that's your slowest player in the middle of the defense. Kyle Duggar also missed two. Uh, but it's a really interesting point because it's taken for granted how typically good at tackling they are. Last four weeks have been bad, just flatly bad. You missed 12 times against Buffalo. And again, Bentley was your biggest defender, uh, and he's going to be in the middle of pretty much everything else you want to do. The last point I want to end on is this. When the Patriots have faced Tua, obviously they've never beaten him. He's never really beaten them over the head, though. Like, they've never scored more than 30 points offensively versus the Patriots. I think the average is around 23, uh, even with Mike McDaniel here. What he does do, though, is death by paper cuts. His average snap to throw time in week two was 2.08 seconds, the fourth fastest in the last three-plus years, according to the next-gen stats. So it vaporized the Patriots' pass rush. Their pressure rate that day, that night, 15.2%. And he does this time and time again, screens, RPOs, whatever it might be. So if the Patriots take care of those areas we talked about between the numbers and the hashes, okay, and you do a decent enough job on Waddle, he can still get the ball out. So are you blitzing like you're saying? Because it got home against Buffalo, but you're right, the last three, four weeks generally has not been good. Or are you trying to make him hold on to the ball elsewhere? Because either you need to get to him in 2.2 seconds, which is hard, or you need to force him to hold the ball, which is even harder based on their recent history. Yeah, I, I think again, I think I think with Tyreek Hill being out, I think you can probably. And I just said, don't blitz, don't blitz. But that was don't blitz when you have Tyreek Hill, right? I, I think if Tyreek Hill is not playing, then I think you can be more aggressive. I really do. I think you can get up there, and I think you can you can if you have your left tackle and left guard, starting left tackle, left guard out. You can exploit that. I think you can uh, exploit that with a blitz. I don't. I think you can come up and be more aggressive and be uh, with your blitzes because I just, you know, if Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill if, if, if aren't playing or if they're not playing at a hundred percent, getting burned deep doesn't doesn't concern me as much. And so I just think it's a totally different mindset going into Is this. this like everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Like you're, you're landing the first punch here, what you're suggesting to the Patriots on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think they should sit back and take the conservative approach like they did for most of the game in that first. I mean, they started tied to blitz and they got, and they got burned. You know what? Look, you know what? I, I, I would be more comfortable blitzing if Tyree kills isn't playing. So go ahead and do that. Um, and be more aggressive in your, in your, they were soft in their alignments. I mean, they were giving them these underneath stuff. You don't need to do that. You don't have, they don't have a deep threat if Tyree's not playing. So go up there and get more aggressive, make to hold the ball uh, longer and take away that first read. And then you got, you got something, man. Tua is, I think he's pretty bad at running with, with the ball. I don't think he's a very good, uh, you know, thrower of the ball when he's leaves the pocket. I think he's better just straight in the pocket than he is. Uh, when he when he has to leave and vacate the pocket, I'm with you. Uh, but of course, easier said than done. The guy's still five and zero, six and zero, whatever it is against yeah. the Patriots. All right, let's go to when the Patriots have the ball. Here are their rankings. They're actually 20th by DVOA, which is obviously a huge bump from Buffalo. But people listening to this podcast knew they made strides in Vegas. Um, obviously, like decent first couple of weeks, not great. They are 22nd in passing, 16th at rushing. Miami defensively. Pretty bad across the board, despite all that talent. 24th by DVOA, 
24th against the pass and 25th against the run. They may or may not get Jalen Ramsey back. We don't know. I've asked some coaches. They're like, yeah, he's a made man, but we don't know. I'm not going to spend that much time on him. What I want to spend time on is how much of what you saw last Sunday against the Bills for the Patriots offense is sustainable. Like, what can they copy and then paste this weekend in Miami schematically or personnel-wise? Because it's not all going to be replicable. But I think there are elements there you can you can repeat. Um, absolutely. And I, I would say I, I think you can duplicate what you what Pop Douglas did. I think you can get Pop Douglas open oh, in space. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, this. Keep going. Yeah, I just think that's that's the obvious one. I think Pop Douglas has the ability to to uh, to to find crease, you know, find space and find uh, holes in the defense. And uh, I think you can game plan plays for him all day long. And I would feel very very comfortable with that. Um, I think Kendrick Bourne. I mean, both of these guys. What was his average? His average yards per per pass was like Mac Jones was like nine point one yards. But I mean. He was just throwing the ball. It was all horizontal, right? And then the guys were running uh, with it afterwards. So run all after, after the, the catch. Yeah. Run after the catch. So who's your best two guys run after the catch? Demario Douglas, Kendrick Bourne, the top two receivers from last week. I think you can duplicate that for the most part every single week. Now, that you know, teams are going to start game planning for that. That's the difference. So you can see, is it sustainable? Uh, you know, that remains to be seen, but I think that's your best chance uh, of of kind of leaning on something week in, week out is Pop Douglas and Kendrick Bourne. Those two guys are very good runners after the catch. And Mac needs to just look, get the ball out quick to those guys. I think that's sustainable uh, for the rest of the year. I think the running game, I think they have the ability to be kind of what they were last week, which is, you know, average four point you know, four, four yards per rush. Um, look, I thought the offensive line was the best they'd played all, all season long. Obviously with Mike on Wayne, who playing right tackle, I think that made the difference when you have, you have your left, left tackle, uh, Trent Brown, you have Cole strange at left guard, David Andrews at center. And then, you know, X, Y, Z player at right guard, you know, last week it was city. So he seemed to be, had to do a decent job next to Mike on Wayne, that's a, that's a good offensive line. That was the offensive line that we all said going into the season. Hey, we know there's going to be one position. We thought it might be right tackle was going to be the, the one that you could have to manage around. But clearly the right tackle position has been such a disastrous, you know, kind of uh, position. They, they, they couldn't get away with keeping the same guys out there. So they put Mike out there and that seemed to, at least for a week. And I think that will continue. You think about, you're talking about things that you can, I think lean on going forward. I think I can trust Mike Onwenu at right tackle being just fine and being more than serviceable out there. And that makes the entire unit just better uh, with that stability at right tackle. So you can manage the right guard situation, which is right now at City So. Um, and so I think that's something you can lean on too, is just having a better running game moving forward. A lot of people were questioning whether their offensive line can get better. It'll get better once you get the same five guys playing you know, together long enough to build that continuity. And, and, I, and I'll admit, you know, even Cole Strange at left guard, you go, oh, that's a question mark. I thought he did. A, I thought he did a pretty good job last week. He's your first rounder. That's your guy at left guard. And the offensive line played not so, you know, it's not surprising. They played their best, their best ball because they had their best players, at least four best players out there and managed around that right guard position. It's amazing. Uh, how much you get done when you just play your five best linemen and <laughs> let a guy right. like City Sal 
who was a career college guard, except for 2017 when he played a little tackle at Eastern Michigan, just go back to playing guard. And he's not only, you know, a guy who played that position. He was your highest drafted rookie offensive lineman. So Tony Amafi comes in now, fifth round kid. Jake Andrews can't even see the field. I mean, he's a center, so he's got a big obstacle. And David Andrews, but you get Cole Strange back. That's partly health. Michael Wenham moves to right tackle, partly health. Like they apparently, according to Adrian Clem, they are batting this idea around this summer. Um, that idea should have taken hold much sooner. And I, I was never high on Riley Reef. Calvin Anderson now is a professional healthy scratch. I think you roll with that same combination moving forward as long as you can. To answer my own question about the sustainability, it's a great point about the offensive line because then that goes to the running game, which has been average. It's steady Eddie, but you can get away with that as long as you move the change. And that's what this is. Success rate, they've been top 10 the last three weeks. Like that's a big, okay, you need four or five and first down, boom. Third one, you convert, boom. They're doing that better than most teams. I'll say one other thing because I have a bunch of stats, but I wrote about them today about Pop Douglas, said them last episode. The coaches have said, as far as motion goes, which you saw, like I did, the Patriots used almost double the amount of motion they typically do at the snap. It was huge. And they go, well, it's a week-to-week thing. It's a game plan call. Not every defense reacts the same. Okay, that's that's true. Different defenses have different rules. But Miami, like Buffalo, stinks against motion at the snap. They're allowing the second-highest passer rating to opponents who just put a guy in motion at the snap. So not only really? play Pop Douglas, but run that dude ragged as long as you can in the heat because the results are going to be good. Uh, and then throw at tight ends and running backs because they're bottom five against both of those guys. Um, and that's, you know why that's, that's a good thing. You know why that's a good, yeah. you know why that motion, what, what does that motion do? It makes the defense have to think. And, and, and if you, you look, you, when you got defensive players thinking, oh man, that's not good, right? <laughs> present, present company excluded, <laughs> right? Right. 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 Um, <laughs> I, you, you, you get my drift. I yeah, mean, yeah. for the most part, like you, you don't. If they gotta, if they gotta, all of a sudden, you know, it's so much easier if you just line up without motion. I got this guy. I got that. All right. But once they start doing motion to stack and they motion across the formation. It's now it's communication and it's who's you got to adjust and you can keep defenses off balance. And you, you saw Buffalo's the defense, they were kind of confused. You, you know, you have a, an over aggressive defense. Okay. Like maybe the Buffalo bills where their eyes are like, they they're looking over here, but the play's really going over there because the Patriots dangle something over here to get you distracted from where the play's really going. And so, and we're going to put a ton of motion and we're going to formation you to death and we're going to personnel you to death. So different, diff, different defense, defensive packages have to communicate, uh, you know, on different snap on the different snaps. And so it's, it can create a lot of confusion by having an advanced motion and, and shifting kind of package on an offense. And I think, I mean, that's sustainable. I think you can do that every single week, right? You just build on that from the, from the uh, previous week. And so, I mean, it is kind of amazing, Andrew, to see Pop Douglas going out there and doing more advanced stuff than than a than a Devontae Parker, than a Juju Smith-Schuster. They're two top theoretically wide receivers on this roster. You haven't seen those two guys be able to uh, execute anything close to what Pop and and what uh, Kendrick Bourne were able to do last week. So it's just a another one of those head scratches when it comes to the uh, the roster construction. 
So I, I just wrap up motion here for a second because it's an easy catch-all, right, from the media. Like, oh, hey, do more of this. I know more than you. And Bill O'Brien could tell you the rules of a Fangio defense in the face of jet motion. The linebackers are going to make this check, and that's not good against particular concepts that we want to run. But here's the thing about motion. The top two offenses in the league in terms of points scored are Miami and San Francisco. Okay, they are first and third in motion used. And that's because they come from the same tree. Shanahan's love using motion at the snap. And you have good offenses. They're at the bottom of the league that don't do it at all. Philly and Dallas, they play matchup ball, or in Philly's case, a lot more option run game where our dudes are better and we're going to try and get some numbers advantages. The Patriots don't have any of those advantages when it comes to roster. You can't play matchup ball. So I just think you need to use every tool in your box, everything in the shed, and throw it at the opposing defense. And part of this is very simple. Like, you don't have to run new concepts. Bill O'Brien's wrapping the same gifts, okay, and giving it Christmas one year, and then here comes Valentine's Day, and you're getting the same thing. But it's in heart-shaped wrapping paper, and so right. but you open it up, and it's still slant flat, okay? Or it's a swing screen to Ramondre Stevenson, like they hit when Demario Douglas came in motion. First play of that last drive. And he gets a block. You get open in space. All these different things can stay simple. I think you just need to amplify the talent you have because Demario Douglas is good. Reminder Stevenson is good, but they're not great. Like you can ask AJ Brown and Devonta Smith and CD Lamb and Tony Pollard for those offenses that don't use motion just to go win one-on-one. So that's my last right. thing. Uh, quickly, the Dolphins, as I mentioned, bottom 10 against the pass, a lot of talent. The one thing they do very well, though, is defend the middle of the field. And we know that is where Mac wants to live Monday through Friday, vacation on the weekends, take trips with his girlfriend and family. He might not be able to do that here in Miami. How else do they win in the passing game when he can't really go between the hashes? Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good point. I, I would say I, I, you got to loosen them up. You know, it's kind of like like a boxer. You know, you you, you kind of you know you, you you work this you work the jabs. You know, to you know to kind of set yourself up for the knockout blow. Like you got to. I think if you want to get the middle of the field, you got to work the perimeter. You got to work the perimeter, and then you counter with, with the uh, the inside stuff, right? I mean, so a lot of perimeter runs, um, a lot of those, what do you call them, arc releases, yeah. um, you know, and kind of and just get guys flying to the flat, flying to the flat, and then you hit them in the middle, right? You don't just you, you got to set them up, and so you set them up, uh, you know, rope a dope style by running to the perimeter. And and passing to the perimeter, and then hopefully that will will loosen up uh, maybe some stuff uh, o- over the middle, um, you know. And, and they were able to attack the middle a little bit more last week with with Pop and and with Kendrick. I mean, Kendrick born that, you know, Kendrick born on on a crosser uh, was was big. You know, the like just the skinny post with Demario Douglas in the slot, option routes with Demario Douglas in the slot. Um, I think you have better guys that can work. Uh, and get open in the middle of the field with those two guys, and so they're getting more more of the playing time now. It looks like than uh, than the the guys the previous guys that I mentioned, and so I think you can attack more the middle of the field uh, because of the players that you that you uh, that you have. And you know, in in the, in the touchdown to win the game to Mike Gesicki, I I don't know why I'm a bigger believer in Mike Gesicki than maybe most, and I think that's a guy that you could work the middle of the field more than what you you've been. I think he's just a better uh, option over the middle of the field than a Hunter Henry is. I do. I think he's got more wiggle. I think he's got more shake. I think he's got more ability to get open. He saw that in that touchdown when he beat his defender in the middle. Um, 
who had outs, you know, who had initially outside leverage and then get, you know, uh, was, was hoping that he had help inside and, and the help didn't get there because the really, it was a really good route that Mike ran. So I think, I think you can get uh, more options in the middle than they've had because of the personnel that you have playing now more than the, than the guys you had in there originally. So as much as the middle of the field has been a problem up to this point, I think partly it was because of, of the guys you were throwing out there. Now that those guys have had diminished roles, I think the guys that you have now are, are going to be better suited for middle of the field work. I like it. Um, speaking to the edges, I mean, again, this is set up by a good running game. I mean, they're still passing about 60, 70% of the time on first down runs, but you can go off right tackle or jet sweep into that area because, you know, the Dolphins are allowing 4.4 yards per carry, which doesn't sound like a lot behind right tackle. That's bottom 10 in the league right now. And they're allowing a ton of first downs off that side. Or if you want to go to the left, there's six foot eight. 380 pound turn Brown playing some of the best football of his career. So whether they are screens, okay. Or you're just handing the ball off, getting it out of the flats, then coming into the middle just to get those linebackers. Like you said, moving side to side, I think is a great point. Um, all right. Anything we missed any sneaky X factor here offensively for the Patriots. Um, for the, for the offense. Yeah, probably not. Prob, prob, okay. um, <laughs> other than, other than look, they, 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 the offense needs to stay on schedule. And and can the offense get this team a lead? Those are two things. You just you saw, what, yeah. you saw what a lead did for this team last week. Um, they're front runners. The Patriots are, um, and they have to be uh, considering the the restrictions they have on the roster. They they need to get out. They're a better team if they have a lead. So that's clearly what they need to do. But the offense for it to work, they have to stay on schedule, and that's uh, and that's and that's uh, the bottom line. And uh, that's that's it for the Patriots offense. I'll say for the Patriots defense, it's. It's to me that a key matchup, Andrew, is is and I like yours that you you wrote. You know, Christian Barmore against the the left guard for oh spoiler. Here we go. Yeah, we're getting there in a sec. But yeah, keep going. I mean, Barmore, the, that poor left guard for the Bills. It was a rookie. I, I don't remember his name. Ooh, that boy had a tough tough day. So why not more of the same? I love that matchup inside with Christian Barmore over the left guard. But I, I like. I like the matchup between Stephen Belichick and Mike McDaniel. I thought Mike McDaniel had an answer for everything Belichick threw his way, that being Stephen or Bill, whoever's whoever's the main, you know, thinker on that side of the ball. But that is the best matchup because I thought the Patriots, what they did on defense in that first game, Miami had an answer for everything. I mean, you want to come out and play three safeties? And I think they thought, you know, the Patriots did, like, oh, watch, we're going to show everybody around the NFL how you stop a Miami offense. And yeah, you, you know, Miami didn't have big plays that game, but they controlled the game with Miami's offense, controlled the game the whole time. I mean, the, the time of possession, the, the long uh, drives, the, you know, taking whatever the defense gave them. And so, you know, at the end of the day, that wasn't the best game plan. And so to me, I'm curious, the game plan, how does, it's really a lot of times it comes down to coordinators, Andrew, you know, their coordinator versus our coordinator, how they're calling the games. And I'm curious how Stephen Belichick will call this game. Will he be more aggressive? Will he have more press coverage? Will he not blitz as much? Will he blitz just as much as he did now that Tyreek killed? Maybe he's not going to play. So to me, that's the most interesting matchup is 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 Mike McDaniel versus uh, Stephen Belichick. Cool. Um, I'll give you one X factor, and it's actually on defense for the Dolphins. Jalen Phillips had a strip sack that led to a scoop and score in uh, Philadelphia, um, and I just. He didn't, didn't play the first game either, did yeah. he? He didn't, he didn't play the first game. So Mike Onwenu, and I, I cautioned against this in the last episode, 
you know, and Phillips has got a lot of tools as a pass rusher. He's a first round pick, but speed is going to be an issue for Mike Owen. You know, the foot speed there is a guy who's 330, 340, built like a guard, played guard mostly for his career, NFL and college could be an issue. If the Patriots have issues in pass protection, it could be Phillips, a guy they haven't seen a whole lot, has leveled up since, and it will be the first time they see him this season. Um, all right, Remember, don't forget, it was Van, Van Ginkle that had the, the game Whoa. against us last time. So, I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, if, you know, look, he's Van Ginkle's on one side and, and Phillips on the other side. I mean, that potentially could be, you know, trouble for the Patriots. Yeah, it looked like Van Helsing out there. Um, yeah. All right, three keys, two matchups. One wild card thought, non-football related, something we haven't seen. Is Steve Belichick versus Mike McDaniel one of your keys? Like that, that yeah. was a good deep dive there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I went. I went. I went. I went, uh, I went uh, ahead of you a little bit there, but I, oh, I mean, gonna... the keys to and I and I give you. I'm going to give you three quick ones. Uh, okay. Take away to his first read. That's. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the best way to. If he if he can't if he does that you know play action RPO boom hits the slant and just keeps. Feeding that slant, feeding that slant, that skinny post, that then then I think it's going to be a long day. So take away that first read. Offense needs to stay on schedule, get a lead early, and then uh, and then the matchup. I, I just said uh, Stephen Belichick versus Mike McDaniel's. Those are those are some of the things I'm uh, I'm looking for. Yeah, it's tough. I, I feel like once you get to this point in the season, and especially one the Patriots had, where you can see flashes of solutions, more Pop Douglas, more motion. Like we've covered that. You know, you get repetitive. And then there's repetitive and boring, which is where I'm going to go, which is set a strong edge defensively because you've got advantages in the interior. I think with Gotchow and Barmore and Bentley, when he's allowed to, you know, stay kind of between the hashes and not go sideline to sideline. So Jelani Tavai needs to win in the edge. Anthony Jennings has done a good job. Dietrich Wise, but it's really just through his three guys, you know, and you won't see Josh Uche play in early downs because he lost contain. Uh, against Tua and a run before Tavai lost contained on an eight-yard touchdown in that first meeting in the second quarter. And that wasn't the difference in the game because most are burst up the middle. But I just think the the latter touchdown, that just happens sometimes. Like you're going to give up big runs up the middle. It's a long season. They're a good team. He's a fast player. You can't lose the edge. At least set that and give yourself a chance to win and get help to come over. Uh, two matchups. You, you gave away my Christian Barmore versus Lester Cotton. Good luck. Lester Cotton, Barmore, one sack, three hurries, and uh, he'll be on the field a lot because he's now finally playing the run well in addition to the pass. Any any matchups offensively kind of pique your interest? I just mentioned Jalen Phillips and covered him versus Mike Iwanu. Uh, You know, offensively, oh, man. The, that, you know, I mean. I'll give you one. How about this? We You mentioned Mike Kosicki. It's yeah. revenge game, but it's also, I said, bottom five team in the league, according to DBOA, at defending tight ends. Why can't he eat? Javon Holland's a great safety, okay? Yeah. But if they're going to play in a too high structure, that's middle of the field open. That seems. Yeah. Hunter Henry had a touchdown against Miami last time out. He's a tight end. Yep, yep. That, that's, I mean, that's a good one. And, I, I, and I'm wondering, I, I've heard reports that uh, Holland might not even play oh my uh, God. because of, of an injury. So that's, that's I mean, <laughs> you talk about kind of maybe getting Miami at a good time. I mean, yep, I heard the report that Holland, uh, their their strong, their safety might not play either. That, but that's that's that. I would love for Mike Gusecki to get going. I just, I don't know. I I will always defend him. Uh, there's a lot of people that uh, tell me I'm crazy, but I just think he can get more work done over the middle than he's he's uh, he's been given. And so I, I like that as a uh, as a as a matchup, Andrew, right there. Those guys over the middle for sure. Cool. All right. One wild card. Uh, what do you got? 
Oh, uh, wild card. Oh, what? I, 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 uh, I thought my wild card was was Belichick versus uh, McDaniel. So oh, that okay, was, cool. Yeah, we haven't really talked bad. about that. Yeah, All right. That was that was my wild card. Well, I'm going to drop mine in your lap because I want I want to end on story time. And then we'll make our game picks, but this is more important than any picks. No one remembers the predictions unless you pick against the Patriots, they win, throw it in your face. Um, I'm going to pick against the Patriots. What I want, though, first is a story either of a trip to Miami, not on the field, something off the field, because in the NBA, I think they call this like the South Beach flu. You're like everyone goes out Miami the night before you're in a place like there's a lot oh, more yeah. on than in Foxborough or because you were at his induction into the Patriots Hall of Fame last weekend. A great Mike Vrabel story that maybe you couldn't tell at his induction ceremony, uh, you know, because it's, you know, taped on like this podcast, which won't go all over the Internet as well. You know what I mean? Either a great PG-13 Mike Vrabel story or a Miami got the best of this teammate or us back in the day. Back in the day. Well, we Miami was never going to get really get us because we we, they, they they would do when we go down to play Miami, we go there later in the day so that you don't have time between the time we land and the time our night meetings are. Right. And so if, if you land at, you know, say four o'clock and we don't have night meetings until eight, that four hour window is too long. Right. And so typically we get to Miami six, six thirty, and you have an hour and a half, two hours before night meeting. And then after night meeting, which lasts about, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, you have a couple hours before, uh, you know, curfew. So, they build it so that you can't really get in trouble. I'll just be honest with you. Um, but I did run into uh, one time. The guy, uh, is it, uh, have you ever seen the movie Friday? Remember the movie Friday? Yeah. The, uh, uh, is it Debo? The crazy, big, jacked up dude that kind of rode around on his little small bike. Debo? Yep. Um, I forget the actor's name. But I saw him out one time. And he looks as crazy in real life as he does in the movies. And I can't remember his name. <laughs> That's that's that. Mike Mike Rabel, you know, the story I didn't really get a chance to say in that induction uh, ceremony was I and I always and Mike Rabel is one of the unbelievably most talented verbal jousters that you've ever encountered. <laughs> if you want to get in a verbal jousting match with Mike, good luck. And I, I just share a story where him and Larry Izzo would always, always get into it. And Larry Izzo is he's very much paranoid, like the TV character Larry David in the movie Curb Your in the TV show Curb Your Enthusiasm, and so Mike would just just keep sticking it to Larry because he Larry didn't like being punked the idea of being punked or called out or, or made to look stupid if you know what I mean uh, he was very paranoid about that and Mike would sense that and Larry and, and then just go in but um, Mike constantly would would just would go after uh, Izzo. And one of my favorite debates, of course, was always Mike being from Ohio, Larry being from Texas. Um, the what's the better it's football state, right? And it was always, and you'd have to hear who played in Texas versus who played in Ohio, and it was just this constant, long, drawn out debate. Until which usually Mike's final salvo was always this when it came to that debate, Larry, where's the Pro Football Hall of Fame at? <laughs> Ohio <laughs> boom and he'd walk off and that was his final salvo to Larry but uh Mike Vrabel the the most talented verbally skilled uh defender of his of his self than anybody I've ever met and uh more times than not I always saw Larry was the kind of the receiver of that abuse 
but uh god bless you larry you, you probably uh asked for it <laughs> but uh one of the more one of the most unique players and uh outstanding football players i've ever played with was mike brable and i and i was honored to play with him i love it yeah he's even you know getting on brady during i think a hit on the the sports hub talk about you know he's got some cosmetic appointments so no no one is safe from brady i know bill was it back in the day uh yep. stories written by michael holly our mutual friend in his book patriot rain subsequent books of just interrupting bill and team meetings when bill's going on and on and on and talking about the media's you know and tell you you're so great they're going to give you blowjobs and this and that and then he raises oh, yeah. his hand and goes oh, yeah. coach what was that about blowjobs like just <laughs> it seemed to cut you know the the tension in a room in a way that you guys could and just never he, he would and he would he would i will say this I thought about uh, bringing this story up, but my kids shot me down. They, they were worried how it'd be received, but that's you know, what we're here for. Go fire away. Grable, yeah. Grable, Grable, Belichick would wear, I don't know what they're called. Like these striped sweaters, these popular striped sweaters in the early two thousands. They're not, not Argyle. I don't know what they're, but they're hideous, man. But they were the, all the rage. <laughs> and Bill, Bill wore really tight ones. You know I mean? It was like, bro, you need to get, get a little bit of a looser sweater. And Mike would always like to comment from the back row. Mike sat in the very last row of this auditorium. And he just screamed down something about Bill's tight sweater. And we all got a laugh out of it. But you got to be a hell of a player for, for to get away with that kind of stuff. But Mike always, you know, seemed to have a, a comment at the right time. Timing's everything in comedy. And his uh, comedic timing is is unmatched. But he liked to bust on Bill's wardrobe and uh, those tight sweaters that he would wear. Uh, usually got a big laugh out of all of us. Oh, I love it. The good old days never fail. Days, brother. They only get sweeter with each passing day here in this uh, in this era. Anything else we didn't cover? You want to this? This I don't know. Like I said at the start, like I'm coming back to. They might have a legitimate path here. They 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 they, they do. If if they beat Miami, they do. Andrew. Um, I mean. I don't know. Then, you know, it's like, then you think of, okay, the division is maybe, you know, not so far out of reach. Uh, you'd be three and one in the division and beat the top two teams, Buffalo and Miami back to back. Can you imagine they go down there and beat Miami? What that does psychologically for you, for a team that has just been bludgeoned to, to the pulp up to this point, considering what you have after that with the commanders and the Colts, it could, Oh my gosh, it could really be a, a, a springboard to something. I, I've just, if you beat Miami and you, you know, with all their injuries on the road, which is a tough place to play. Like I've, I've mentioned, uh, then you all of a sudden things are looking up, buddy. Uh, I, I'm, I know it sounds crazy, but at three and five, then you got, you got a little something, uh, some momentum going and who knows with, with, uh, what can happen then. Do they do it? What do you, what do you got? Game pick. I, I think it's going to be tough. I, I just think, I think playing in Miami is too hard. I do. And I think Miami, look, I, I always, I'm always a little bit scared to pick uh, a, a Patriots team that's coming off its best performance, being able to duplicate that against a team that is reeling from a bad beatdown from uh, the, the Philadelphia Eagles in their hometown, in their, in their backyard, uh, in a very difficult place to play uh, because of the heat and humidity. I just think they're going to be locked in and more in focus, even though that they have a lot of key guys injured. I just think it's a spot that I think is very difficult for the Patriots to, uh, to, 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 to win this game. And so I think they'll keep it close. It's not going to be a blowout. No way, no how, um, like most of these games against Miami, 
it'll be it'll be a close game, but I think Miami wins the game, Andrew. I'm with you. I think the Patriots successfully dragged this into the mud. Again, Belichick has been ahead of the curve when it comes to defending, you know, the most elite offenses in recent league history, maybe most elite history, right? Like Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes struggle against the Patriots more than any team really that they face. Mike McDaniel is not running up the scoreboard on the New England Patriots, never top 24 points uh, against them. And so I just look and go, they get to 20 again, and that's enough. Like, I, I can't I can't trust a two-and-five football team. You know, like two wins like this might erase the taste you got from New Orleans and Dallas, and you got positive momentum moving forward. You're still three-and-five, and I just think this lands somewhere like 20-16, to 16, and the Patriots might even have a lead, but – I'd say this almost every week. The talent is a talent. And I think that wins out. And that's a pretty well coached football team on both sides. But at this point, we'll take entertaining Ted. Entertain us. That was an entertaining game last week. <laughs> take those all day, you know, make, give us some, something to talk about and make it a compelling season. Talking about the draft in October and about Bill's future in October. Isn't fun. It's more fun to talk about these games. So just give us something to talk about and, and we'll be happy. My man, you heard it from him. Beefy, little beefy, walking around somewhere yeah. in the apartment. <laughs> there he is <laughs> with his mohawk. I, I wish I could go. I could go get him and bring him and show him to you. But yeah, he's got this really great mohawk. I'll, I love uh, it. I'll, I'll bring him up next time where we do a pod together. I'm jealous. My mohawk days are, are long gone. Uh, yep. Ted Johnson, thank you for coming back. Thank you for always making some time. And obviously, we'll have you return next. Uh, great offense. They see we'll break it down, scheme it up, and, and see what comes out on the other end. All right. You got it, buddy. Thanks, Andrew. The CLNS Media Network is powered by FanDuel. Sign up at FanDuel.com slash Boston and get in on the action with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. When you place a $5 bet, that's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose.